Things that bring you joy. What brings you joy? Are there things in life that bring you joy? Maybe one of the, one of the smaller things in life that, that brings joy is finding something that you've misplaced. You ever do that? You ever find something that you've lost it and you keep looking for it? I, I love the deal, you know, it, when they say, well, it was in the last place I looked. Well, I certainly hope so. Can you imagine finding it and then keeping on looking? Well, I found this. Maybe I'll find something else. Uh, but I, 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 love, I love when I find something. It's like when you lose your keys. Oh, man, I hate losing my keys. You know, and, 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 you know, and then you look and 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 then then you finally remember, oh, I know where they are. And, and then uh, you find them, or you lose your wallet. You ever lost your wallet? I was at the store the other day, decided I was going to buy a couple of things. And when I got up to the checker, I realized I did not have my wallet. And I had no clue where it had gone. Oh, I panicked, but I finally found it and came back. And, and, but it was, it's those little things. And now I have a new game that I, that I play with myself. Uh, maybe you guys have this same game too, that you put something up so you won't lose it. You have the same game. And then you forget where you put it. Isn't that great? It's like, I, I know I put it somewhere, but I can't remember where. So I don't know if it's easier. Yeah, I don't know if it's easier just to lose it intentionally or put it up and then forget where I put it. But those are things in life that, that bring me great joys. When I find something that I've lost, then did you realize, do you realize that God understands the joy of finding something that was lost? That God enjoys finding things. In fact, finding lost people is one of the major themes of the Scripture. I want you to think about that for a minute. Finding lost people. Here's Adam and Eve in the, in the garden in the very beginning. And I, I love the story of Adam and Eve because the Bible says that God came down and talked with them in the cool of the evening. You can tell the garden was not in Florida because we do not have cool evenings. It was 84 degrees at 11 o'clock last night. So... But anyway, can you imagine, here's God coming in, and he's talking to Adam and Eve, and he's saying, you know, how was your day? Even though he knew how their day was, he has a conversation, he has a relationship with them. And then, then Adam and Eve, they, they mess up, and they sin, and they drop the ball, and, and they hide from God. Which is really kind of silly, because we really can't hide from God anyway. But they're trying to hide from God. And the scripture in, in Genesis says something really amazing. That, that God came down and, and Adam and Eve weren't there. So God was looking around saying, hey Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? Do you think he didn't know? It's like a little kid that covered his face and thinks he's hidden. But God, in his love for humanity, made provision for Adam and Eve. And then, and then after Adam and Eve sinned and, and humanity kept going on, then it got to the place that nobody was following God. And God was desired, desired somebody to follow him. And he was searching and looking. And the Bible says in Genesis 6-8 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
So God rebooted humanity in an effort to, to save them, to bring them back because they were lost and he wanted them found and it didn't take long for humanity to wander off again. So God calls Abraham and says, Abraham, or Abram, he said, I, I want to make of you a great nation. He says this in Genesis twenty two eighteen. 18, he says, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. God chose Abraham and, and, and gave a promise that through him all the descendants of the earth would be blessed. And, and they came through and they came through to, to King David and then made promises to King David that his seed, his children would, would reign forever. And then he fulfilled that promise when Christ came because Christ came to seek what was lost. And, and, the, and the promise was fulfilled. So Christ came and Christ understood that that he came to seek that which was lost the scripture says in John 1 that he is the light of the world the light of the what does light do but shines in darkness and and he was he was there to look for those that were lost and and Jesus lived his life in such a way that that he would be the penalty for our sin for our transgression for the things that kept us away from God Jesus paid that penalty. And when Christ ascended, when Christ ascended after his resurrection and after, after uh, he had rose from the dead, he ascended. And in Matthew 28, he gives this amazing commandment to his church, to you and I. And he says this, he said, I have all power in heaven and earth. I love the word all. That's an inclusive word that means everything. I remember when I was a kid, I was at my cousin's house and, and she wanted my candy and she'd already eaten hers and she wanted mine. And, and, uh, and my dad said, well, just give her a little bit. And he, I said, no, she wants it all. And he said, no, she doesn't. And, he, and she spoke up and said, yes, I do. I want all of it. <laughs> at least she was honest. Christ said, I have all power. Every bit of power belongs to me. All authority is mine. I can do what I want. And he says, go and make disciples. Think about that. that. That of all the things that Christ could have done, he chose his followers, those that were found, to go find others that were lost. And that is what we call the Great Commission, but that is our responsibility it's our opportunity to partner with God to find that which was lost because seeking the lost is about going and making because if we want to fulfill that great commission if we want to understand the joy of finding something that was lost we have to go and make Jesus didn't leave heaven just so we could be comfortable. Jesus didn't say, you know, just stay around and, and make each other comfortable. But he said, go and make disciples. Go. Go and make disciples. Disciples do not come to us. We must go to them. People that, that, uh, that don't know Christ don't necessarily come to us, but we need to go to them. I think if there's one thing in, 
in the church in America that, that kind of bothers me a, a little bit is I think that we've kind of made it a little bit more for us than for them. That, that we're focused more about us than we are those that are lost. And, and I'll be honest with you, fulfilling the Great Commission is the true joy of Christianity. When you understand what it feels like to have a part in bringing somebody to Jesus Christ, that their life is transformed, that they're changed forever, that they have the opportunity to receive the gift of eternal life. There is something that wells up in you. It's like you found that pearl of great price, and there is nothing in this world that will satisfy that joy and that happiness like bringing somebody to the feet of Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing. Fulfilling the Great Commission should be a great joy. And yet, for some reason, sometimes I think that it's a great discomfort to me. Jesus, in, in, in the story we just read, Jesus encountered the wrong attitude within the Pharisees. I'm going to back up a little bit and, and read that. It's even with the sound. Is that cool or what? He said, now all the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So here's, here's all the tax collectors, here's the sinners. And, and can you imagine if we're hanging out and all the IRS people are hanging around Jesus? And he says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. They were muttering. Muttering means they were talking, they were grieving, they were they weren't telling Jesus. They were talking amongst themselves. I can't believe he's doing this. You know, and the man, this man, this man, welcomes sinners and eats with them. So here they are, they're mummering. I can't believe he's doing this. He's eating with the IRS agents. You know, he, He's eating with, the, with those that take our money. He is eating with sinners, people that aren't doing the, are following the law. And, and the people that were following the law were, were complaining that Jesus was hanging around those that were lost. Those that were found were, were upset that Jesus was with those that were lost. And sometimes we can look at this and we can say, well, well Jesus just, just got mad at the Pharisees. But you've got to realize that a lot of times Jesus really tried to reach out to the Pharisees as much as he did to anybody else. And he gives something in this that's really powerful. He told them a, a parable. And he said this. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Now, the average, the average size of a flock was between 100 and 200. So 100 is about average. And, it, and one sheep was worth about one day's wage. So he said, so, so suppose one of you lose one sheep. He said, don't you leave the 99 in the open country and go find the lost sheep and you look for them until you find it. And then when you find it, you come back and joyfully put it on your shoulders. I want you to think about that for a moment. He, he's talking to these, these Pharisees. He's talking to those that are, that are trying to uphold the law. And Jesus encounters them and Jesus looks at them and he understands that they have a wrong attitude. 
And so, and, and here's what, I, here's what I, I take out of this. I think that the, the really the main complaint wasn't that, that Jesus was hanging around the tax collectors and sinners. I think the real complaint was Jesus wasn't hanging around and devoting his life and time to them. Because Jesus gives us these parables of, of the lost sheep, and Jesus gives us this parable of, of the lost coin. And he's talking about attitude. And he said, he, he was looking at the Pharisees, he says, let me tell you a story. He's not telling these stories for the benefit of the tax collectors and sinners. Jesus is giving these parables with a loving, kind, gentle heart to those that were trying to live a life to serve God. And he said, guys, you're missing the boat. The reality is, it's about attitude. See, there's three things in the story uh, of the lost sheep, and there's three things in the story of the lost coin that, that I want you to really focus on. He gives these, these, these two comparisons, these two analogies, and he says these three areas. Here's what we really need to focus on. And number one is simply this. There was something that was lost. That, that we need to understand that God is committed to finding the lost. That God is, is committed to looking for that which is lost. That, that he is going to have a desire for and he is going to pursue that which is lost. And he was looking at the Pharisees and saying, listen, it's not about me spending time with you. It's about you understanding that your job, your role, your responsibility in this life is to celebrate what you have, but to search diligently with a passionate heart for those that don't know God. He was trying to help the Pharisees. I, and I look at this and I try to help myself and and, and sometimes I, I, I think where, where Jesus spoke, and perhaps it would have been easier if he said, well, just enjoy and make each other comfortable. But he didn't say that. He said, go and make disciples. And going and making disciples requires us to kind of leave the comfort of where we are and go to where they are. Because disciples are found around the world and they're around the corner people that don't know Christ are in your community they're next door to you they're at the grocery store they're wherever there are people that don't know Jesus Christ and he gives us this great opportunity and Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and saying guys you're missing the boat it's about the right attitude it's about it's not that I don't love you it's not that I don't care for you it's not that I don't appreciate that you're trying to serve God in the way that you know but it's about coming to seek and to save that which is lost and I think that if God wanted us to understand anything is that, that the lost matter to him. The lost truly matter to God. And he has commissioned and called and equipped and trained you and I to go and to reach the lost for him. You say, well, I'm not good enough. Well, God says you are. And I'm going to believe God more than you. 
You can do it. You can speak to your neighbor. You can reach out. Because here's, here's the thing. We need to understand that the lost matter to God and that when we look around and we say, man, there's a person in our community. There's a person in our neighborhood. There's a person in our own house that doesn't know God. There's something that needs to well up in us and realize we've got to go find them. First thing is that there's something was lost. The second thing is there's something to be found. Because looking is not always fun. I don't like cleaning out the garage. I don't like cleaning out boxes and stuff. Because when I do, I always get sidetracked. You ever do that? You start cleaning and, and then you look at it like, like an old box and you open it up and it has pictures in it and then about two hours later you realize wow I've wasted my day I'm looking at pictures and you've created more of a mess than you actually started with the reality is finding something requires work it requires diligence it requires dedication I, I love what Jesus said about the woman he said uh, he said I tell you that well here we go or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search it carefully until she finds it? She, it's dedication. It's commitment. It's, it's not sweeping things under the rug, but it's looking in every nook and cranny until you find what you're looking for. And Jesus is trying to help the, those that, the, the Pharisees, trying to help them understand why he's hanging around publicans and sinners. And he's, he's looking at them saying, listen, you have to know that they're lost and you have to have this attitude, this passion, this desire, that this dedication, this commitment that you're going to seek until you find. You're going to knock until the door is open. You're going to look everywhere that you can until you see that individual come to a saving faith in Christ. And here's the thing, it's not always that easy. There's a lot of, you know, when the finding part is sometimes takes a while. It has to be a priority. Galatians 6, 9 says this, so don't get tired of doing what is good. Never get tired of doing what is good. Don't be discouraged and don't give up. For we're going to reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. What Paul is trying to tell the church in Galatia, and I believe what the Lord would tell us today is, keep looking, keep searching, don't give up. Just because you have been praying for that person for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, don't give up on them. Keep looking for them, keep praying for them, keep Keep encouraging them because you don't know how close they are to surrendering their heart to Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Don't give up. There are lost people that, that you know. There's lost people that you don't know. But they need to be found. And God has invited us in to this amazing relationship with Him. You know, and it, it, it's really amazing that if when you're going to the grocery store, why don't you try this? Next time you go to the grocery store, just ask the Lord for you. Lord, just give me a divine encounter. And just start, open my eyes. You'll be amazed at how many people are around you that need the Lord. And you have a kind word. You have a, a, you know, you have a, a, a compassionate understanding. You have 
and the ability to reach out and to bless somebody around you if we just look. Jesus told his disciples, look under the fields for they're already white and ready to harvest. Man, it's, it, it's there, but we have to be diligent because God always doesn't always answer in the immediate. Keep on looking, keep on searching. And the third thing was simply this. Not only do we have to understand that there's something that's lost and it matters to God, and, and we need to be diligent and dedicated to finding it, but man, there is a rejoicing, there is a joy, and when you do find it. There is, there is nothing greater in your life than bringing somebody to Jesus Christ. There is nothing, there's not a greater joy. The Bible says that heaven itself rejoices over one sinner that repents. I want you to think about that. The cherubims, the seraphims, the angels in heaven, every time they look down and they, and they see somebody that, that is accepting what Christ did on the cross and their sins are forgiven and they walk into a relationship with Christ, heaven is throwing a party. It's like, whoo, got another one. Don't you love that? And we get to be part of that because it's all about our attitude. It's all about our understanding of the lostness of humanity and how God has richly blessed us and invited us into this relationship with him that we get to participate in finding that which is lost, which really matters to God. Because the lost matter to God. They matter to us. Seeking requires dedication. But when we find, man, there is rejoicing. You know, there's at the end of this passage, there's something that, that I really found really interesting. You had the, the story of, of, the, of the lost sheep, had the story of the lost coin. And then Jesus goes right into the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, we think, well, that's, that's a story about somebody being, you know, that left and then they're coming back. And it, and it is, and we've preached that. But the reality is, Jesus is still not finished with this whole dialogue on attitude. If you really look at the parable of the prodigal son, the prodigal son is a story about a right attitude. It's about having the right attitude about rejoicing when that which was lost is found. So easy to get caught up in, in, in being the older brother that, that never did anything wrong but gets upset when somebody else comes in that has done what is wrong. Jesus is trying to help the the. Pharisees, he's trying to help you. And by the way, you know what? The Pharisees got started when, when, when Israel was taken captive and they didn't have a temple and they didn't have a place to stay. They didn't have a place to worship. And, and they, their whole design, their whole uh, being was about helping Israel understand how to get back to God. They, they, their inception was bringing the lost back to God. And in, and in the 
and in the process of doing that, and they kind of had lost their way and, and had failed to realize that lost people matter to God. I believe that the Lord would have us to understand today that a right attitude about those that don't know him will transform not only them, but us. I will tell you, there, there is, I, I have decided, and you say, well, Pastor, why are you speaking on this? Can I just share with you? Our, our church is, is growing, it's changing, it, it's moving. Uh, I know we're in the middle of summer and people are on vacation and, and all of that, but the reality is we're growing and we're changing and, and, and new people are coming. And, and I'm thankful that, that people are coming that know the Lord. But my real heart, my real passion, my real drive is for you and I both, all of us, to realize that God has commissioned us, empowered us through our own words, our own actions, our own conduct, our own character to, to reach out to those that don't know him because the lost matter to him and we seek and we seek diligently and we rejoice abundantly when they come to Christ. I, 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 want, every, I want every pew in this, in this church to be full, to overflowing, to, uh, you know, but, but I really want them to be people that know absolutely nothing about God. It's really a lot of fun. I remember once we had won this guy to, to the Lord, and you know, and he, you know, he just thought, he just came to church the way he always came, and you know, he just, you know, his his tank top and shorts and and uh, hanging out, and, and so we were we were having communion one day. So I'm usually just standing up front, and you know, and they're giving. Uh, the, the elements to everybody in the church, and I'm standing there, and I hear this, psst, psst. So I open my eye, look, and there he is, and I don't want to mention his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but he, uh, he looked at me and said, Pastor, I, I was a little bit hungry, so I just got a whole handful of wafers. Is that okay? I said, that's fine. That's fine. You know, it, it's, the, it's the things like that that bring life and joy and happiness. I'm, I promise you, when you're, when you're sitting around with people that know nothing about the Lord, and you get to introduce them to your very best friend, but it can't... It, it, it has to go beyond, I'm, and this is, this is not in the notes, so I'm just, I'm just meddling now. And I hope you don't mind because I, I'm the first one to say, oh me. But it, it can't be through a rote memory of the, the Roman road or, or four spiritual laws or anything else. Because if you're trying to re lead them down something that you've memorized, you're never going to be successful. Because it doesn't work. But when you're able to become a friend, 
to somebody that doesn't really know the Lord and you're hanging out with them. And, and here's the truth of it is they're going to they're have things in their life that you're not going to approve of and you're not going to like and you're going to walk away thinking, ah, I don't necessarily like that. We, we used to preach in church years ago that we, we don't smoke and chew and run with those that do. And, uh, you know, and the, whole, the whole premise was Hey, you're a Christian. Stay away from those places. And I'm saying let's turn that up upside down. Let's say let's go to the highways and byways. Let's go out where they are and love on them and win them to Jesus Christ. And sure, it's a lot of work. And sure, it requires a lot of dedication. And you will have to do things and be in places that, that you don't necessarily like. But the reality is he that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. I'm not worried about one of you succumbing to the, the sin or the lifestyle that somebody else is in. I, what I'm really focused on is the passion and power and the grace of God that you have in your life overflowing and spilling into the lives and the hearts of others. If you want to be a strong, vibrant Christian, the best way to do that is to share your faith with those around you. Man, it's an amazing adventure. And every single one of us, all of us, have a great opportunity. We've been invited in by God himself. Because the lost matter. And we are to go and to find and make disciples and experience the greatest joy this life can bring of seeing others born into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to ask our praise team to please come. And I'm going to ask each of you, if you would, would you stand with me? I want you to think about something for a moment. In the Christian realm, I don't believe in I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in luck. I do believe in things divinely ordered of God. So let me ask you, who has come across your life that you know decidedly does not know Jesus Christ? Who is it that God has placed in your, in your sphere of influence that you can begin to live out the love of, and the grace and the goodness of God and pour into them? You say, well, I don't have anybody. Well, if you don't, you will. I would say, if you look, you'll see them. And you say, well, well Pastor, why, why are you saying this? Because, because myself, I've looked, I've seen, and I'm acting. And I can't tell you, I can't describe to you the joy that is flooding my heart of hanging out 
with people that need Jesus and watching them start taking those steps toward him. It's incredible. I mean, I've never seen, you know, it, it's amazing how, how people can, can use Jesus' name in the wrong way and still start, keep coming toward him. And yet, there's people in our lives. There's people in our lives and people in your lives, whether they're at work or maybe in your own home or those that, that checker at the grocery store, that person that works down at the service station, or whoever they are, you have people around you in your circle of influence. Realize they matter to God, that they have to be sought, pursued, Realize that you will never find a greater joy in this life. That you will be rejoicing with all of heaven when you see one person give their life to Jesus. Let's go on a hunt. Let's be treasure hunters. Can we do that? If you know Jesus Christ, you know what it's like to have your sins forgiven, your life transformed. And you say, well, pastor, I'm just, maybe I'm just too old. I'm going to debunk that for you right now. I just heard I was talking to a, one of the professors at Simpson University. He's talking about his dad. He said, do you remember my dad? And I said, yeah, I'm, I know your dad. He said, they sent him to, to uh, Nevada to close his church down. He's 80 years old. Sent him down to close out a church for him because, you know, the church had just dwindled down with nothing. And so he goes over to close the church down, starts hanging out with people in the, in the town starts talking to him, communicating with him, and people start coming to Christ. Two years later, he's really just really bad at closing churches because now the church is running about 300, and he's 82. He messed up. Don't, don't allow age to be an excuse. You know the pearl of great price. You have within you what this world is really searching for. Uh, let your light shine. Just be the light of the glory of the Lord. Allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength and God will do the rest of the work. All you have to do is make yourself available and let God be God.